Hey everybody, welcome to episode 124 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting now for nearly 30 years. Actually, it is 30 years. This week we're going to talk about the law, night hawking, museums and their attitudes towards detectorists. But first, obviously, we do some quick housekeeping. Next week, we're moving to a Wednesday release schedule. So next week's episode will be a little bit earlier. We'll get it on Wednesday as opposed to a Friday. This week, we've no Dr. Detectors this week and no speak pipe fine stories. Come on, guys, get them in. It really adds to the podcast and I do love hearing them. So let me know. So my lab had an announcement just last night and I stayed up out of my bed to watch it at half nine. Um, and I want to give you my first initial impressions on what I thought about it. It was the classic Mind Lab press release on Facebook um, where they announced the Equinox 700 and the Equinox 900. To be honest, it was a pretty mediocre presentation with the usual Mind Lab B-roll of ancient times and people finding gold. Overall, pretty underwhelming. I thought it was pretty petty for Mind Lab to be throwing shade at Nocta by stating that MindLab were doing SMF simultaneous multi-frequency for ages. But I suppose they're right to have been, while also adding notable Nocta features to the Nox 700 and 900, most notably the vibrating handle and torch. I would have expected MindLab to rise above these cheap jabs. But anyways, what's my initial impression? Well, it seems they have taken all the new notable features from the Manticore such as the newer version of Multi-IQ, and crammed it into the new Knox body, which also borrows heavily from the Mantigore tooling budget. Some cool new stuff in there if you're coming from a Knox. Carbon fibre shaft, red backlight on the LCD, new Multi-IQ version. Existing coils will work with the new Knox. However, MindLab insists again in its proprietary headphones. It's an unusual marketing play for MindLab, releasing two new machines in direct competition with the Manticore, which is just released recently. In my view, without saying which one is better or releasing the price points. My final thought on it is it seems MindLab are going further down the consumer electronics wormhole as it had the feel of a new iPhone release. Same model, same tech with a few improvements. Anyways, watch this space. Hopefully we can get our hands on one some stage in the future. So this week, I had it in my mind to chat about the topic, are archaeologists failing Joe Public by not engaging with metal detectorists? But in my research, it just kept bringing me to a topic I don't like to cover, as it bears the dirty underbelly of our hobby, and that is night hawking and discussions around the law. I don't like to chat about it for one main reason. I tend to generalize the discussion as I try to engage with the whole audience, but inevitably, I get comments that either people don't agree with my opinion or that I'm technically incorrect, giving general guidance on the law. But I suppose it can't be avoided this time. So let's start with the law, move on to night hawking and finish up with some stats and my views on the establishment, aka museum bodies. Okay, the law, no matter what country you're in, you should adhere to the law. Generally, there are rules where you can and can't go. For example, most countries prohibit or restrict access to registered, logged, flagged places of interest, places of historical importance, and luckily, most governing bodies have a facility to provide this info real-time and readily. But more on that later. 
But imagine what it was like before the age of the internet and interactive maps. Most research involved a trip to your local library to get this info. So we should be thankful we have the required info at our fingertips. So it's not just detectors, it's everyone who can't dig in these sites. It is generally also an offence to have metal detecting equipment in these areas. So, so far, I totally agree with the law. Most detectors don't want to go on these sites anyways. There's not much thrill in the hunt if you know there is a high probability of finding something there. This is like taking candy from a baby. But on the other side of the coin, we want to do the research in an effort to identify great sites that may not even be known yet. This is manna from the gods for us. We agree on the laws of the land. So far it allows us to hunt in the gaps of the data, if that makes sense, and contributes to the bigger picture. Most laws have a requirement to report your finds within a certain period of time, maybe 48 to 96 hours, but most countries require it by law that you must report your finds, essentially making it unlawful to not report your finds, except in England and Wales, where it is encouraged that you report your finds, but you can't be prosecuted if you don't. So we can all agree on access and we can all agree on reporting all finds within a period of time. That's all gravy and makes total sense. However, when you go to report your find, that is where the process breaks down. In general, the reporting process goes. You must either call the local law enforcement who have no interest in being there, nor will they know what to do and look at this nerd as someone who is wasting their time. The next step, or this could be your first step, depending on how impunitive your law is in your country, is to report the find generally via email or if you're lucky, you may have a portable antiquity scheme and a local liaison officer who you can either show directly or send a high quality picture for them to log it in a database to be reviewed at some stage in the future. The problem here is that the reporting process is long-winded, often results in a black hole of non-communication forming around your find and that can cause untold frustration for a detectorist. When you chat to an archaeologist and you get them to calm down, they will all concede that they don't have any problem with metal detectors who follow the law and report their finds. However, when asked about the process, they don't know it themselves. When pressed, their biggest issues are 1. Removing the find from the context of the surrounding soil, etc. There is starting to be glimmers of hope with the general acceptance that a ploughed field or a field in which chemical fertilizers are used, having this context already ruined. The last bone of contention is the reporting of fines and the activity of detectorists legally finding artifacts but failing to report them. And I can totally get that point too. However, if they want us to report all our fines, they need to make it easier to do so. They already have interactive maps, like I mentioned earlier, that you can use to make sure we don't break the law. It is only a small step to creating a finds map, and this doesn't even have to be public at all. All it needs is a simple web app where people can report their finds, upload a pic or two with GPS coordinates, and if needed, keep it anonymous. The data is the key until the authorities meet the detecting community halfway and just make it easy to report finds. And when a find is handed in, the finder gets access to the report and the communication to where the find is and why it is important. Unfortunately, most museum bodies and archaeologists see us as nothing more than looters rather than part of the citizen scientist movement. 
They are tarring us all with the same brush and no different than Nighthawkers. And if you don't know already, a Nighthawker is someone who is only interested in the monetary gain of what they find and will break the law to go on a restricted site in the hope of stealing valuable artifacts or coins to be sold in the black market. It used to be an activity that was solely carried out at night. However, there are cases of people going on restricted sites during the day in high-vis jackets pretending to be legitimate members of the authorities, which is no different than putting on a security guard suit and going in to rob a bank. But if the logic used by the museums was applied to the bank robber, the bank would tar all customers as bank robbers. My point is, there is assholes in all walks of life who will not care and will break the law without breaking a sweat. But you know, we don't go around banning alcohol because some people can't control themselves. Oh wait, uh, maybe we have done that before. A few notable stats out of England in the most recent Department of Digital, Culture, Media and Sport report on treasure finds 2019 to 2020. Point of note here, the new one was expected to drop last month, but it didn't. But anyways, in 2019 and 2020 is expected to be the same. 1,303 finds were reported to the British Museum, which totaled 23,000 artefacts, of which 96% of them were found by detectorists. 23,000 artefacts. Let me, let me say it again. 23,000 artefacts, of which 96% of them were found by detectorists. And also, when surveyed, 2% of adults, and that's anybody over 16, have said that they have taken part in metal detecting in the last 12 months. Considering England's population is about 56 million, that results in approximately 1 million people having detected at least once in the last year, in England alone. That's crazy numbers. I really need to get my listenership or numbers up. Them's are rookie numbers. But even taking 50% of that number as accurate, 500,000 people, of which 99% are acting in the best interest of your country's heritage. I don't think there is a name on it other than the citizen scientist movement, a movement I'd like to add archaeologists and museums came from in Victorian times. However, it should be considered distributed archaeology, and all the museums need to do is enable this group to work with them. Look at the positive, the 99% that are trying to do the right thing, rather than the actions of a few bad actors. It is a matter of perception or what point of view you look at it from. My point of view is that of a positive detectorist. The museum's point of view is of protecting public heritage. And the point of view of Egypt, Greece, Nigeria and Easter Island is that the museums of the world are no better than looters exhibiting pilfered cultural property with the trustees of the British Museum becoming the largest receivers of stolen property in which a vast majority of the looted property is not on display. There is a saying, there is nothing more pure than a converted whore. And maybe museums being implicit of the same crime they imagine the vast majority of detectorists are committing. And that's it this week, guys. I'll leave it there. Get out there. Eyes down. Good luck. Report your finds and happy hunting.